Hey guys, it's Jason Webb. This is the show that highlights local business leaders and the movers and shakers of Minnesota. Welcome to Minnesota Made. What's up, Minnesota? It's Jason Webb. I'm at Suburban Manufacturing Group located in Monticello, Minnesota. Another great Minnesota-made business. And with me today is Rick Barger. Did I get that right, Rick? Yep, you got it right. Barger, the supply chain manager, and to his left is Chase Marshall, the VP of Sales and Marketing. How are you doing, Chase? Doing well. Thanks, Jason. Yeah, thanks for joining me. And uh, we went on a tour, and uh, I learned a few things, ma'am. You are a diverse manufacturing company, and I don't know, I kind of see a few buckets of things you guys do. You got the uh, pneumatics, the hydraulics, the textile cloth type area. You got the old school um, uh, machine shop kind of area. And you guys are full. You just moved in this building uh, 10 years ago. You're looking to expand to blow out a couple walls and uh, business is good. So, Congratulations on that. Rick, I want to start with you. Now, you, your your mom and dad started this company, what was it, back in 1980? Yep, 1980. And uh, what were those early days like that you remember? Uh, the early days of, was it called Suburban back then? It was called Suburban Machining and Manufacturing back in the day. Okay. And it was more of just a straight-up machine shop, wasn't it? Yep. So the... What the story goes is that my dad, initially, when he was going to college for tool and die making, he wanted to go out and find parts to make. So he was walking around asking different businesses if he could make some parts for him. And one of the businesses said, okay, give me your card. And he hadn't thought that far ahead. So he was down in the Eden Prairie area. He grew up in Edina. And all he could think about was Suburban Chevrolet. So that's how the name Suburban Machine came to be. And all these years later, we're still using the name Suburban Manufacturing. So, okay, well, What's your dad's name? Brad. Is he still with us? He is enjoying part-time being retired. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. So, so Brad, he went to school for tool and die? Yep. And he right away, he wanted to be self-employed? Yeah. Yeah. And so he just went around to different businesses, such as what? Like... Hey, can I make some tools for you? So it was was it little orbits, the, the mini the, donut the mini, the mini donuts. He yeah. he made parts that that little conveyor as they floated in the grease and flipped over and mm. automatically cooked. He made the parts that made that machine as some of his thank, first. Thank God parts. for him, man. I love donuts. <laughs> <laughs> so so kudos to him, man. So he's just walking around with his new college degree and he's like, "Hey, little orbits." You got any work for me to do? I can, I, can, I can help you out here. And they came up with something and off they go. Yeah. And then kind of the theme of the business, we've always been, you know, finding better ways to do things, making people's lives easier. That's kind of how he kept going along is he would say, all right, I need to help this person out doing this, or I need to create this product for this. So that's kind of the birth is he's always had that inquisitive mind where he just goes around and finds something and then he has the 
manufacturing capabilities to make it or figure it out. He's kind of got an engineering mind. He, he's not formally engineering trained, but he's still one of our leading engineers here that helped, you know, design things properly. And so he's always been finding different ways. And, you know, it, it led to all of the products that we have today. He's good at building better mousetraps. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm imagining, okay, I'm him. I'm watching the whole mini donut process. And uh, with his mind, he's like, you know, if we had a machine that could take that little donut and flip it and, and, and kick it out, I think uh, that would work much better. And they agreed. And here you go. Yep. Right. All right. So have you guys always been based in Monticello? Initially, they were in, I believe they were in Brooklyn Park. And then they moved their first kind of big building was over in Rogers. And then I think in 93, they built our first building here in Monticello. And then 2012, we moved to the current location we're in. And I met your mom. And does mom and dad always work together? Even yep. back in, oh, man. <laughs> you know, I've tried that. <laughs> no, they do really well. And they uh, they really, it's cool because they complement each other very well, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, Basically, my dad, Brad, he'll go around and he'll come up with all these creative ideas and stuff. And then my mom will be there in the background and she's the one that kind of makes it happen in yeah. the background. So that their minds work very well together and uh, they, you know, not too many fights, which is yeah, which has been amazing. really cool. Brad and Mary. Yeah. So, yeah, I've tried that a couple of times. I used to be a chiropractor and used to be married. <laughs> okay. So uh, she worked with me for a period of time, but that's. That's like a different kind of relationship, man, where you live together, work together, around each other yep. all the time. And uh, you really got to love one another, that's for sure. A quick message from our sponsors. This podcast was brought to you by Minnesota Risk Partners, specializing in risk management and insurance services for Minnesota-based companies. Check them out at minnesotariskpartners.com. All right, Chase. The VP of sales and marketing. Uh, let's talk about some of the product lines, you know, uh, that you guys offer. Yeah. And dumb it down a little bit. You know, I, I'm an Annandale, Minnesota graduate. So when you start <laughs> throwing all big terms, I'm going to be like, uh, you're going to lose me. All right. So what are some of the things you guys produce here? Yeah, no, I can appreciate that too. As a Maple Grove grad myself, I've got a lot of smart engineers here that have to dumb things down for me as well. But uh, yeah, very diverse. We play within the fluid power world, but uh, within that, we've got pneumatic products that we manufacture here to clean and dry compressed air. So imagine the paint booth that's doing vehicle repairs for all of the cars that are sliding around in Minnesota right now. They're using clean, dry, compressed air to paint those cars, mm-hmm. and we're supplying the air quality uh, so that those paint, that that paint and the paint chemicals flash correctly on the vehicles. Yeah, that's kind of our pneumatic division. Then we get into the hydraulic side of the business. And uh, hold off, Chase. Yeah, uh, so this little listeners are, are still tracking. Okay, hydraulic, hydro, right? That's fluid. So that's like, uh, what would be a f- hydraulic fluid? Okay, that's one thing, right? Yep. 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 And pneum- pneumatics, yep. right? Pneumo, meaning like pneumonia, meaning air. Yep. Right? Yep. All right. So pneumatics, hydraulics. You talked a little bit about the pneumatics already. Yep. Okay, so now the hydraulic piece? Yeah, so the hydraulic piece, we kind of split into two different divisions or two different product lines. We've got a product line called Lube Minder. And what that product line is, is it's a... Uh, That's a t-shirt, dude. 
It, it could be, right? <laughs> yeah, it definitely could be. We're careful with that one. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a complete line of oil and grease systems that are used to basically take your preventative maintenance program from a manual process to an automatic process. So we make oil and grease systems for the agriculture industry, for the construction industry, and for the industrial space as well. Easiest example for that is if you think about a John Deere or a CNH combine or a baler, they've got a preventative maintenance program there to keep all the chains and sprockets functional. And we tap into the hydraulic line on that equipment uh, to power our pump that then disperses oil and grease to the chains and sprockets on that equipment. And so we don't need an electric signal or anything for that. We can actually tie into an existing line on a baler that would be when the lift gate opens. So every time a bale kicks out, we're activating our pump and that pump is dispersing oil to all the chains and the sprockets. So what was once a manual task thing that somebody had to remember to do, like change the oil of your, in your car, is now automated. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. And what we found on equipment like that is that when that equipment fails, it's most often in the most, most important time of the year. So usually it's harvest period, uh, when, you know, they're running those machines five, six, seven days a week straight, yeah. uh, where that equipment, there's a lot of wear and tear and it fails and that's when they need it most. So right. we're able to kind of step in and help prevent that. So can that type of equipment be retrofitted to equipment that's already out there that may not already have it? Or is it only available like a new baler? Nope, both. And depending on who we're working with and and kind of the route to market, we'll support both sides of it. So there's a lot of of OE or factory fit systems. And there's also the aftermarket side that we sell through too. Okay, okay, cool. Uh, now, Rick, you know, after Little Orbits gave your dad the thumbs up on the on the mini donuts, um, what was the track that was taken to get to the point you are now? I mean, you guys are doing way more than freaking mini donuts right now. That's for sure. <laughs> well, the, the lube minder that Chase spoke to, that was actually one of the first products that he came up with. And, um, you know having the mechanical background, knowing how to machine things. He, he designed the pump. He was able to manufacture it himself. And then, uh, he can, you know, he's one of those gifted individuals that can talk to anybody and, you know, talk their ear off and, yeah. you know, his, his goal, you know, when a salesperson calls him is to try to sell that salesperson something. So he, <laughs> he, he likes to play games like that. So he, he's really, so he came up with these different products and then he was also the marketer and he would go out and he would sell them and get them onto different pieces of equipment or come up with new ideas and how they would work and how they, for the lube minder itself, you know, it's not just Baylors pumping, and combines. Yeah, it's not just balers and combines. There, there's a ton of equipment, you know. He went out as far as he designed special brushes to make sure that they lasted and they cleaned inside of the linkages of the chains to make sure that they lasted even longer. And, you know, improvements like that. The compressed air side, I think that came next. So the you know, our, our brand name is Tsunami. So of our, compressed air of our compressed air yeah. filters and dryers, our brand name is Tsunami. So how that came along is they were in a factory trying to solve, I, I can't even remember what the issue was, but they were in a factory trying to solve some issue for some people. And a bunch of people after break started up, they had, it was, it was a giant industrial building. And as soon as they started using the compressed air in their machines, they had tons and tons of water coming out of the lines. 
And someone made the comment, hey, that's like a tsunami of water coming out. Oh, sure. So that's how the tsunami name came to be, is they invented a filter that adequately or, or properly took that water out of the line so that these industrial companies didn't have to worry about it. Now, earlier during the tour, and uh, you know, I, I should have known this, but not necessarily explained it well. When you have a line of compressed air and maybe you bring it outside and it's warm inside or it has to get dragged through the snow or there's, for whatever reason, maybe there's temperature variations throughout the shop area. Anytime the temperature shifts, that airline can be affected or is affected, I guess, with condensation. And then that condensation in the airline, when that forms, wherever that air is going, probably shouldn't have any kind of water on it, right? It should just be you know, strictly air. So you guys manufacture a product that removes that condensation from the airline, dries the air, purifies the air, filters it, what have you. I guess I see it as it increases the longevity of whatever tool is connected to that airline. Is that correct? Yep. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of the main difference. You know, filters remove physical water, physical oil, things like that. Dryers remove water vapor from the air. So you can think, you know, at the news, they tell you what the dew point is at night. Dew point is once the air gets down to that temperature, the vapor in the air starts condensing out and becoming liquid water. So that's why in the summertime, you know, it gets down to the dew point at night and you get dew on the grass. You know, that's... You're starting to sound like a weather guy. <laughs> starting to. <laughs> so, so that's the same thing's happening in compressed airlines. So that's... The dryers are a very high end. They take everything out to make sure that you have clean air. Filters just remove what's already existing liquid, liquid oils, liquid mm -hmm. uh, condensate in the airlines. I don't remember. Were we on the air when we were talking about his background, going to college at St. Cloud Street? Mm -hmm. we, okay. Mm -hmm. I'm getting old. I'm having this. <laughs> I don't remember if that was on air or off air. Oh no, that was that was off air. It yeah. was off air. Okay, so you got you got. So this wasn't always your plan. No, then, this Rick. this was this, not. This always wasn't my your plan. Uh, dream as a little boy to come work for the family company. You had other aspirations. I did. And what yeah. were those? So so growing up, so I, I always worked here. You know, my very first promotion was from cleaning the toilets to being able to mop the floors. Yeah. So I've, I've kind of worked my way up. And the entire time I was growing up, you know, I always had this dream of becoming a meteorologist. I, I don't know why, but that's, you know, saw Dave Dahl, you know, all, all the people on the on the news at night and like, yeah, that's yeah. cool. I want to do that. So I actually started going to college and I went for three years for meteorology up in St. Cloud. Yeah. And finally, I don't know if I came to my senses or what, but <laughs> I, I decided, no, that, that's the not the way that I wanted to go. Yeah, that was Meteorology department at St. Cloud is in the basement of the building with no windows. Oh. So you don't even get to look outside to see if you're right. <laughs> so. <laughs> but now the weather was serious business when I was a kid growing up in, in my house. My dad would usually watch like channel, I think it's channel five uh, news, six o'clock news. Yep. And if I was making noise or if the dogs were making noise, my mom was talking, it's always shh, 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 weather's on, weather's on. <laughs> So we all had a, like <laughs> complete silence for the next five, 10 minutes for the weather guy. They listened to Dave Dahl. Yep. Right. Yeah. So was it your house similar? Or? Nope. Yep. Very similar. Yep. <laughs> Especially in the summertime when you had storms coming or something, you wanted yeah. to know exactly what was going was on. Yep. yep. So your, your Dave Dahl weatherman dreams kind of came to an end. You just do it to your own 
you know, it is, I think what really hit me was I started realizing, you know, I had to stop working here and find a job in the field. And uh, just something deep down was like, I just don't want to do that. And yeah. yeah. And, and finally I realized it's like, no, I, I would much rather, you know, I, I've got kind of a mechanical mind. So I switched to engineering and I just, I find that I, I enjoy the problem solving and all the, the issues and I, I really enjoy, you know, being a part of the business, helping it grow and coming up with new things. So yeah. that's, I found that that's really my, my true path. Yeah. And you got two other siblings, one of which works here also. Yep. Is that right? Yep. So my brother, Robbie, he yeah. works here. He, uh, he that's works good. out in the shipping area. He helps drive the truck and stuff. And sister Lori, she she's helped out a little bit, but she's, yeah, she, uh, <laughs> She's actually working for ExxonMobil right now. She's oh. managing their website, so she's doing really well for herself. Okay. Yep. That's good. Uh, Chase, have you ever been, always been in sales? And, you know, when you got hired here, it sounds like uh, Rick's dad over here was quite the sales guy. Did he put you through the uh, his own sales training course? You know, he was he was actually pretty easy, believe it or not. It? In a Minnesota-esque fashion, I actually ran into Brad the first time at a local hockey event. So, oh. And just through small talk, I kind of found out about the opening and the void they had here, which was actually on the marketing side of the business. So I was going to school at the time for small business management and a double major in art and design. So don't know where that came from. Don't necessarily have the the mechanical aptitude or, or uh, the degree that uh, Rick has. I kind of gave up at the Lego phase of my life. <laughs> but uh, me too, man. Yeah, no. I something always intrigued me about marketing and and the bigger aspects of marketing. I guess you could say the design side of marketing in terms of how you go to market, uh, how you structure a business, you know, how you how you create competitive advantages and. Got in with Suburban after the interview process uh, nine and a half years ago, and and the rest is history. Now, one big advantage I think you guys have as a company is the fact that not only do you uh, do work, contract work for other people, but you have your own product line. And it sounds like you learned a couple lessons through the COVID pandemic and trying to keep uh, some of the duties that you would outsource maybe in-house. And uh, you want to talk about that whole COVID experience a little bit? Yeah. Um, you know, I think I think everybody took different things away from what's been transpiring over the past 18 or 20 months. One of the things that we've always been extremely fortunate of as a company because of our diversification is the fact that we tend to deal with the ebbs and flows of, of you know, different economic issues because we're able to focus our efforts uh, in different areas and different marketplaces. So we made a conscious effort over the past 20 months to become as vertically integrated as we possibly could by owning different parts of the supply chain process, by owning different outside operations. And I think that combined with the diversity of our product line and customers really allowed us to navigate into different spaces and find different opportunities. And then one other thing I think that we were able to tap into and really take advantage of is there was a conscious effort from some of our customers to reduce their supplier headcount. And because we've got uh, multiple different product lines, we were kind of able to cross-pollinate in certain areas with certain customers to really provide them one vendor for two different types or three different types of products in some cases. So it both hurts you and helps. I mean, there was a rough part, but it, I mean, it brought about some positive changes. Yeah, absolutely. I think we're we're much more strategically positioned coming out of it than we were on the forefront of it, which is, I think, what where you want to be. Yeah. What's what's a? I don't want to say typical because you don't have one really. So <laughs> I was going to say typical clients, but the clients range. 
from like this guy with a pickleball in that yeah. idea to the U.S. Navy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so if somebody's listening and they they wonder, I have this issue. I have this idea. I have this thing that I need made or help with, and it could be hydraulics, pneumatics, some type of fabric type issue, machining mm-hmm. issue. Uh, can you give me a few examples of uh, solutions, potential problems that you could solve for, for these people? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the areas that we play in pretty well is the spray foam industry. So spray polyurea. So it's very popular in a lot of uh, commercial construction these days. So here in the state of Minnesota, the great state of Minnesota, we're uh, we're sitting at like 15 degrees today, right? So mm-hmm. a truck pulls up to your residence. It, you're getting your walls or your inter- you're finishing your basement. So they're coming in and spray the walls. As they move that chemical through the hoses, through the snow, into the house, down to the basement, that proportioner that's pushing the chemical from the truck into your house has that chemical at a certain temperature so that when it hits your walls, it reacts and sets accordingly. If that temperature changes either too high or too low, it won't work properly. So we make a cover that is thermally insulated so that when you wrap your hoses with the cover, it'll actually help maintain that temperature. So it's very much an energy efficient product, which is kind of a buzz, you know, a buzz word right now. Um, And What's really cool and unique about the spray foam market, and this is something that is very strategic of us and and allows us to kind of recognize some of the efficiencies as a company and some of our strategic advantages, is that within that marketplace, you also are using air to push that chemical through the hoses. So we're actually able in that space to kind of cross-pollinate our different product lines. So we're able to go in, whether it's with the uh, OEMs that are building these trucks or the distributors that are getting product to market and kind of get in with the path of least resistance which with whatever product line they feel the immediate need is yeah. and then come in at some point with that brand equity that we've already established and bring in another product line to solve a different problem. Yeah, and uh, so that hose covering, you also said earlier that on all the garbage trucks that have that articulating arm that comes up and grabs the garbage and flips it into the truck. There's hydraulic hoses that are attached to that arm to make it operate. And rather than have those hoses rub thousand times a day on the side of the truck or something, or rub hose the hose, you have a sleeve or type thing that goes around the hose, right? Yep. So we manufacture a custom cover for, uh, I believe it's five hoses that are used to articulate that can grapple. And basically, the you know, with the combination of materials that we use and some of the uh, components that we sew onto the inside of that sleeve, it allows all five of those hoses to move freely from one another, which is what prevents a lot of that abrasion and the rigidness. But it also keeps kind of the form shape of that bundle of hoses so that they do move in certain motion. Yeah. And yeah, it's used on a good chunk of the garbage trucks that are out in the marketplace. And do you guys sell directly to the consumer? Like if I'm a contractor and I do spray, (laughs) or do you go through distributors and dealers? Well, that's a great question. And on that specific product line, we sell, we target directly to the OEMs. Yep. Oftentimes we'll use value-added resellers to get the product to the customer. And a lot of times they're integrating our parts with a sub-assembly of some kind. In that case, it could be the can grapple itself. And that whole assembly would then go to the OEM. Yeah, 
Yeah, if I'm a contractor looking to get into the spray foam market, when I buy a spray foam mechanism to install in my truck, that comes with your product already installed on it. Yes, in, in an instant like that, we uh, instance like that we do, and then we also do serve the distribution side as well. So, gotcha. Now, Rick, one of the uh, interesting things that I found during our tour, and again, an advantage to uh, suburban manufacturing, is the automation piece. Now, that one piece of equipment where I'm like, you remember, and I said, man, that thing had to cost a few bucks, where you put that raw material, bar material on one end, and it comes the part on the other end. How long have you been, you know, and then you had that robot, uh, Ricky the robot, right? Yep. <laughs> um, can you speak uh, a little bit on the automation and how that's helped your company grow and maybe how that could help a consumer? Uh, I guess for me, that creates a more reliable part as an end product, maybe. And it could be done in a timely fashion rather than maybe another machine shop down the street. Right. Yep. So I always kind of think of when we're doing automation, it, it kind of helps us threefold. The first is people. You know, there's kind of the the mindset out there that businesses are going to automation to replace people. Mm-hmm. And really, it's helping maintain key people. You know, our, in our current labor pool, there's not a lot of machinists out there, you know, and everybody down the road is hiring right now. So putting things in place that challenge people, that allow them to learn new things and really kind of grow their skill sets really helps you maintain and utilize the existing people that you have. Yeah, I can see that. So I hate to interrupt. You can keep going Mm -hmm. here in just a second. But uh, like if I was hired to do Ricky the Robot's job, I'm about two months in and I'm on a quit. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Right. (laughs) No one wants to do little mundane work where you're doing, you know, 10,000 parts, the exact same motion every day in, every day out. That's, that's no fun for everybody. So, or anybody that's, Yeah. yeah. All right. So what's the future? Uh, future's bright, it sounds like. Like I said, you're expanding. You're blowing out a couple walls. Are you getting into any new product lines? Or I don't know. Who wants to take this? This might be a, a good question for both of you. Chase, you want to start with this one? What's yeah. That? So we've got a uh, we've kind of got a new process in place for product development. We've got new people involved in that with different accountabilities. And so we try to have kind of an ongoing ideation meeting. Um, But one of the beauties of being a manufacturer that takes on a lot of custom work too, is we do have a lot of organic innovation. So we get a lot of our ideas from the outside, from our customers, from some of our distributors, and we're able to take those. And with kind of that two-way communication and dialogue and, and the presence that we have online, we're able to get a lot of feedback from the marketplace too, even from the end users to you know, improve things that are faulty right now or that prevent somebody from doing their job. So yeah, we've got a lot of new products kind of on the docket right now being evaluated. We're looking to expand our compressed airline both uh, in terms of size and capacity. So there's a lot of, I'd say, four or five new parts coming out on the compressed air side of our business in the next year. And then a couple kind of unique outside of the box things that we're working on for the textile side and a brand new grease pump as well that that should hit the market some point in in June that'll be kind of transformative for that division really cool new piece of technology there too all right rick on the operations production side of things is there anything uh hovering on the future that you want to speak about uh i mean the, the fact that we're always looking to you know add more automation add faster equipment type things like and know, are you hiring on been- the machine side 
We are currently hiring on the yeah. machine side. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So if anyone's out there looking for yeah. <laughs> looking yeah. for a job, absolutely give give us a call. But it, it's we've got a really good leadership team here, which is really exciting. And what what I really like is that Chase has done a great job, especially with his team, of putting a sales strategy together that is really taking foot. And you know, there, there's a lot of new and exciting products here. And I know uh, Chase and myself and you know, most people that work here right now enjoy coming here. They enjoy coming to work. We've got a great atmosphere. They enjoy the new products we're coming up with, the input that everybody's able to give in. I really think the future is looking really bright right now, and I think we're on the right track. So, Yeah, I had that impression when even when I pulled in here, trying to find a parking spot. <laughs> I mean, you got a big parking lot, but that sucker's full. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm parked out in the hayfield, man. <laughs> and I believe that's that's got to expand too, yep, right? Yep. We're going to so, add on to the the parking lot as well. Right, yeah. Good idea. Well, did I miss anything? You guys want to bring anything up before I uh, bring it to a close here? And uh, I'll, I'll throw out the website here. But you guys do a lot of things. You do a lot of different things here. And would you categorize yourself? You know, if you looked up like the industry class for suburban manufacturing. You know, you're not a plastics manufacturing. You do some machine shop stuff. But uh, I don't know. How would you classify this business? It's the million-dollar question. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, – we look at a few different indices. We look at the mobile hydraulic space because that's where our textile and, and grease and oil products, you know, they serve that market the most. And then yeah. we look at the pneumatic space as well. So we, we try to split it in half. We yeah. try to kind of balance – balance that diversity with the infrastructure of what we have here as a group of people. And I think that's the exciting and the challenging part that we deal with every day. Yeah. Cool. All right, listeners, check them out. Their website is gosuburban.com. Again, that's gosuburban.com. I think you should change it to uh, lubeminder. <laughs> no. Might get more hits, yeah. We actually have that, I believe. So we've got that URL too. So you can go home and search it all you want. <laughs> Just don't have the kids around. Yeah. All right. Uh, go suburban.com. Check them out. Another great Minnesota made company. Rick, Chase, I appreciate your time. You did a great job. Appreciate it, Jason. Thank you. Thank you. That's it, guys. If you know of a Minnesota business leader or a mover and shaker that you feel would be a great guest, please have them go to minnesotamadepodcast.com and have them apply for the show. Thanks for listening, Minnesota.